Hello and welcome to the Sheffield Libraries podcast. My name is Alexis and our guests today are author Anne Booth and illustrator David Litchfield. Anne has written multiple children's books including Girl with a White Dog, The Fairiest Fairy and The Very Beautiful Refugee. David Litchfield launched his career with the picture book The Bear and the Piano and has since written and illustrated two more books in that series and illustrated numerous other successful titles. Anne and David are here today to talk to me about all of that and their new collaborative picture book, A Shelter for Sadness. Welcome to the Sheffield Library's podcast, David and Anne. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you very much. Um, much. First things first, for anybody who doesn't know you, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourselves, please? My name's Anne Booth, and um, since 2014, I've been um, a published children's writer. And since 2014, I've published, I think, I should have checked this, I think it's 22 books. They're across the age ranges. So there are picture books and there are books for five to eight year olds, seven to nine year olds and nine to 12 year olds. And I also am hoping, well, I will um, have got a a book for adults, um, which will come out next year. Hello, um, I'm David Litchfield and I am a a children's book illustrator and uh, sometimes author as well. I get to write uh, some of the books as well. But I also uh, work with authors on bringing their stories, I won't say to life because they're already to life, but visualising their stories and kind of bringing them in, helping to bring them into the world. And it's great fun. And I've been doing that. uh, So the first book came out in 2015. And oh, I don't, I don't even really know how many books I've done either. And I, I think it's about, I think I'm, I think I'm on my 18th book now, wow. which yeah. is crazy, really. I was, you know, I was grateful to be able to make one book back in 2015, and and yeah, looking back, it's bonkers, really. Writing and drawing for children is, it's just so um, freeing because you can just let your imagination run wild, and you know, kids are very open to kind of just accepting, you know, the worlds that you're presenting to them. I do also draw book covers occasionally. So if I ask you which you prefer, writing or drawing, do you have a preference? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, 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 it still feels odd to be called an author, to be honest, even mm. though, you know, I, I love it. It's, it I did, I, I did um, get into it to, to become a, an illustrator. Like that was what I assumed I'd do was illustrate for other people. And then I got given this opportunity on my first book, actually, to kind of, you know, to present this story. It's really unusual, isn't it? I mean, it's very rare that people get to do both on their debut. It's quite strange. I mean, I don't quite know how it happened, but it did. And um, I'm grateful that it did. Um, but I don't know, I, I, I guess drawing is my, like, my, my lifelong passion. It's like the thing I've loved doing throughout my entire life. And so I guess that one wins. And one of the old reasons it feels odd to be called an author is because like, I do draw the stories before you know, I write them. Like I do little kind of storyboards and sketches and it develops from there. And then I kind of put the words to them, if that makes sense. Mm. Would you mind telling us how you both got into your respective careers, so illustration and writing? I always loved reading and I always loved um, drawing as well, actually. Um, and uh, I chose to go to York University because it said that a ninth of your degree could be a children's book. 
but when I actually got there, I lost all my confidence creatively. <laughs> I just felt oh, wow. sort of um, overawed by, there were lots of sort of very confident people doing drama and things like that. I was very, very happy at York, but I didn't have confidence creatively, but I kept writing quietly, but I didn't show anyone anything. And uh, this this went on for ages, like, you know, this went on for decades, really, uh, reading, writing quietly, not doing anything. I Eventually, I think what really got me was, well, first of all, was my, my husband, who embarrassed me all the time. He kept introducing me to people as a writer. And I'd say, um, I'd say what are you doing? And I was at home with the children. They're all little. And I'd say, like, I'm, at, I'm at home with the children. And Graham said, she's a writer, actually. And people would say, oh, have you written anything I might know? And I'd say, no, I haven't had anything published. <laughs> I love that. He kept saying, you know, she's a, you're a writer, which was so nice of him. I was looking after my parents who were very elderly and I was I suddenly became a carer and I was a bit lonely. And I went on Twitter and because I love children's books, I was talking about children's books, but other people's children's books. And, you know, you know yourselves, there's such a lovely community on Twitter. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, really keeping me going all this lovely chat about oh and do you what you know what's about that book and oh that was a lovely book and um and um and then eventually Kate Wilson from Nosy Crow said um said to me do you write anything yourself Anne that was the first time anyone had ever asked and I said well I I have been trying to write something this was on Twitter and um wow why don't you send something and I sent it and she said, that was quite charming, but quite old fashioned. And no, we don't want it. It was about hens who are detectives and I still want to write it. So I wrote um, The Fairiest Fairy, which is a little rhyming um, picture book in the sort of depressed half an hour in Waterstones and sent it off like, oh, it's going to get rejected anyway. I might <laughs> send it off. I sent it off to Nosy Crow, having sent quite a few things to Nosy Crow. And each time they've been very nice, but said, no, I know it's really not, you know, no. I think within a day or so they came back and said that they, they liked it and they wanted to take it and then I got my agent I saw on Twitter again all through Twitter so I was 49 was unpublished I had no contacts the only thing was I had enthusiasm for children's literature and um, had some lucky breaks and I looked on Twitter and just loving books and reading lots and 22 books later here you are it's amazing <laughs> how about you David well, you know what, that's, it's very interesting listening to Anne. And in many ways, we've got a very similar story, Anne, in a, in a, oh. in a roundabout way, because, um, so, yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I've always loved art. I've always been drawing. I've always been, you know, crazy about, I used to make comics and stuff for my brother and sister and my friends and whatnot. Went to art school. So I, I, I went to Camberwell College of Art, uh, which was fantastic. A great, a great three years. Um, but again, similar to Anne, you know, I, I really kind of uh, lost a lot of confidence going to Camberwell because it was, I did a graphic design course. So no, I, you know, I enjoyed the course, but I, I, even during that course, I was like, this is not, this is not for me. This is not what I want to be doing. This is, you know, I, I like drawing. I like, and you know, I lo like, and I love children's books all, all the way through my life mm -hmm. um, into, uh, from childhood into adulthood. And then I just, uh, and then I, then I became a teacher. Oh yeah. There's a big chunk of uh, the story where I became a teacher. So I, I, um, but I absolutely loved it. It was great. It was brilliant. You know, it was so good sort of um, being around those students and kind of, you know, I really kind of vibed off them. And and then it got to a point when, you know, nine years had happened and 
So I decided uh, the worst timing in the world ever, you know, we just had a child and just saving for a house and whatnot, that I jack my <laughs> very sensible full-time job in and pursue being an illustrator. And that's what I did. I did that in 2014, I quit my job. And yeah, I, my wife gave me a year. She said, you can have a year, very strict. You can have a year. I was drawing all these pictures. Uh, one of them was for a book uh, called Grandad's Secret Giant, which was an idea I had about this hiding a giant. So a, grand, a granddad has this friend who's a giant and it's all about how you hide this giant, which is obviously very hard because he's a giant. So I did all these kind of, I did about three or four different spreads, but it was a really scary looking giant and he had hardly any clothes on and stuff. And it was really odd. Um, Anyway, I had this idea and I put a couple of those up on Twitter. So again, a very similar thing to Anne. Mm. Um, I put a couple of these up on Twitter and it got shared around quite a lot because it was quite a cool one where he's hiding in New York and it's quite kind of, I was really pleased with it. You know, it's quite scruffy and everything, but it was quite good, uh, quite sketchy. Um, and it got shared around and one lady who saw it was a lady called uh, Anne Moore Armstrong, who um, was an agent, an illustration agent and uh, she loved it and like asked me all these questions like this is really positive this is really good and then yeah a couple of months later she contacted me saying um i work for the bright agency illustration agency um and we'd like to sign you and then obviously the bear and the piano got made and um yeah it was it was it was brilliant and that that very much started started the ball rolling on 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 you know the last six years of my life which has been which has been bonkers, really. <laughs> Anyways, it's just been it's been full of art and lovely people, and and it, but it all does go back to things like Twitter, and you know, if I hadn't mm. shared that picture, then Anne wouldn't yeah, have seen it. Exactly, that's so yeah. incredible, really. Yeah. You know, and and like Anne says, you know, you can you can you can kind of get bobbed down on things like you know, how, am I too old for this? Is, have I missed my opportunity? I don't know mm. the right people. I don't know, yeah. and sometimes it's just these little moments of fortune that kind of that start things going. Children's literature Twitter is fantastic and I wouldn't be published without it. So I'm, I'm incredibly grateful to it. You know what though, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm including the, te the teaching industry in this, but all, all yes. the industries I've worked in, like this seems to be the friendliest. The reason that we have here today, A Shelter for Sadness. Um, Anne Booth's written this one and David has illustrated it. A Shelter for Sadness and it's published by Templar Publishing. Anne, would you mind telling us a bit about this book and what inspired you to write it, please? Um, so I wrote it in 2017 and uh, it was after my dad had died and it was uh, must have been a few months after my dad died and I went to a church talk. Um, I think it was about faith, hope and love. And just in the course of the talk, which was very good, but I can't remember anything else about it, although I know it was very good. There was just, just this quote from Etty Hillison, who I'd never heard of, talking about building a shelter for your sorrow. And um, I think the, the, the speaker, who was called Chris Chapman, um, explained that she, that she was a young Jewish woman who had died in the Holocaust. And she talked about sorrow. And she, I think she was writing this at a time when she knew that she was under threat, you know, and bad things had already happened. So she wasn't, she, I don't think she wrote it in the, the concentration camp, but she, she wrote it at a time when there was a lot to grieve, a, a lot of fear and worry. And she was talking about how not to become full of hate and anger, but to recognize your sadness, you know, so, to, to honor it. And um, so, it, but it was just that phrase, a shelter, a shelter for sorrow, I think she said. And um, 
I just went home and I just I had a lot of I had been thinking a lot about sorrow and sadness and I think I'd be, yeah I think I'd been going to therapy as well I went well, I was a carer and um by an amazing gift a trainee psychotherapist contacted our GP surgery and said did anyone need therapy and they said yeah and Booth does because <laughs> I, I was looking after my um well they didn't say exactly they she she contacted me and said they suggested it might be a help um but anyway it was a massive help and um so I think I'd been thinking a lot about it and so I sat down and wrote this um this poem picture book text I think I always had it in my head that it was going to be a picture book text and um but it was sort of like a reflection, meditation on sadness. And I think I was wondering why I didn't use sorrow, but I think it's because um, I think sadness, I wanted it to be about, it can be big things and little things. Sorrow seemed to like a very huge, very serious, big word, but sadness is something children are used to the, the idea of. And I, I thought it could be good for small things as well as, big things and you know I knew I could tell from my psychotherapy how important it was to be able to to cry or to to recognize sad things um, going on in your life and how recognizing that helped you deal and be happy with the rest of your life so yeah so that's why I, I, I wrote it and sent it to Templar and Templar really wanted David they could immediately imagine David's illustrations but then they got back to us and said um so we really really want this illustrator called David Litchfield um but he's very very busy and he's got lots and lots of projects so we won't be able to actually get the book published till 2021 so then I um he said yes and then sort of not forgot about it but it seems such a long way away and then it's it's amazing that it's here now. I, I find that so amazing. And I find it so amazing that it was 2017 that I wrote it. So, yeah. And it was, it's obviously a very, I hadn't realized quite how personal it was really to, you know, you wrote it at a time when you'd kind yeah. of lost somebody incredibly close to you in your life as a carer, it kind of takes over your life, doesn't it? Considerably. So to yeah. create something like this, write something like this straight after that, but then have to sit on it for, three years must have been quite strange but how did it feel when you finally saw the book itself beautiful I really uh, love David's illustrations beautiful and the finished book is really lovely the design mm. is fantastic yeah we'll talk a bit more about David's illustrations in a minute you sat there like itching to talk about them um, <laughs> <laughs> was it a conscious decision particularly when you were writing it to not be specific about the kind of sadness because you talked about large and small sadness and yeah. that kind of thing I mean I know we're working in the library when we've had people come in and, and you know children experience loss finding books to fit every circumstance is pretty much impossible because we have loads of books on grief they're yeah. very very specific I love this book because it, it isn't specific it's about how you cope with the sadness whatever that might be however big or small or whether it's the loss of a family member or whether it's the loss of a toy you love you know it can it can you can apply to it to anything yeah no I it was a specific decision to do mm. that you know that's uh yeah I, I mean I don't like it wasn't even that well thought out when I started it you know like when I was actually writing it I, I, I just started with the line uh, you know, the first line and then I just sort of let it just come it was a decision but it wasn't a decision as well no. the first line I'm going to read the first line because it's beautiful um sadness has come to live with me and I am building it a shelter yeah it's gorgeous 
for anybody who hasn't read it yet. And it's kind of the story of this boy looking after his sadness and, and he essentially nurtures his sadness, doesn't he? And looks after it and cares for it and doesn't pretend it's not there and, and goes back to visit it. But as he kind of comes to terms with whatever has made him sad, he, he may visit le- it less often but yeah. it's still there and he'll go and give it a hug every now and then. It's a really good lesson in how we cope with any sort of sadness. I didn't know anything that there was going to be a pandemic at all. <laughs> you know, I really get cross when people keep talking about resilience in children. I think because resilience is, is important, but it only comes with emotional healing and openness and love. You know, it only you, can only, you can't have resilient children if they're not loved. And part of loving children is recognizing what is important to them uh, whether they've lost their teddy bear you know like that's mm. why I love Shirley Hughes's book Dogger you know so, oh my favorite book you know completely recognizes the sadness of losing a teddy yeah um even Dogger's Christmas the most recent mm. one that had Dogger got lost again and again yeah. there was sadness which was recognized mm. and, um mm. I'm really really glad that our book has come out now because I don't want children to be told just get over it or Mm. knuckle down as soon as the vaccines are out go back to school have longer school days no holidays and catch up on all the maths you've lost yeah I think children we've got to recognize how difficult this whole process is you know we've talked a lot about ourselves and how hard it is for children it's it's a whole other level I think really they're sociable beings particularly very young children now that you've mentioned Dogger to Ali I think You've got a friend for life now. Yeah, just a dog. Oh, really? She's just my idol in children's picture book terms, I think. She's amazing. <laughs> Love yeah, that I book. Did, I did my dissertation when I did my MA in children. Oh, really? I did my dissertation, um, but it was a, a dissertation on mothering in Shirley Hughes. So, David. Yes. Presumably somebody came up to you and said, right, David, draw sadness. Um, yeah. How How did you... That's not easy, is it, really? How no, did you it's not, start... Uh, <laughs> Like they literally did say that. It was like, <laughs> but they, uh, so they sent me the man, Anne's lovely manuscript. Um, and like, like, like you said, Anne, I don't think there was a mention, I don't think they'd said, you know, we want sadness to be a, an actual character. Uh, they just said, uh, what was it? We are very excited to see your interpretation of sadness. Full stop. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, all oh, right, okay. Now, I mean, you know, me and Anne have talked about this before, but, you know, we, we, uh, I, I mean, I, I had already read a book called When Sadness Comes to Call by Eva Elands. Mm. And it's a fantastic book. And I mean, you know, sadness is a character in there, this beautiful kind of bulgy kind of character. Um, and I mean, there's been a fair few books recently where, you know, um, like an emotion is visualized mm. as, as a character. Me and My Fear um, by Fran- Francesca uh, Senna was another one where it was fear was a character. Um, and uh, uh, Ruby's Worries by Tom Percival, which is-, which is I love that one. Yeah. Um, where, yeah, um, her, her worries are kind of this, this black cloud that follows her around and it's, you know, got the most amazing eyebrows. <laughs> so there's been a few recently where, you know, ca- uh, um, uh, an emotion has been characterized as a, as a character. So I, I, I feel that our book is kind of, you know, we're almost kind of following on from that theme. And yeah, I mean, because, you know, first of all, I was like, well, you know, these books have already done something similar. So I was thinking, you know, maybe sadness could be a, a, a toy that the boy's got or, or you know, a, a plant or something that he's kind of, you know, he's 
saying is his sadness. So I, I had a, did a few sketches of those, but then I was a bit like, well, you know, I was like, I've got these ideas and, you know, even though other books in the past have sort of done similar, similar-ish things, I need to get these out of my system. And I, you know, I, I had an idea of it being a, a, a cloud. So that was a bit too similar to, to uh, Tom's. And then another one was a, a teardrop. So I drew this teardrop with a face and like a sad face. And he, it looked a bit too much like an onion. He <laughs> was like a little onion man. And then, and then I drew like uh, I, I made it into this sort of a ghost, this black kind of ghost figure, um, which was again, to, you know, similar to the giant. It was a bit too scary for a for a children's book, and also wasn't kind of really the right feel, or you know, it would turn it into it would turn the book into a into a strange direction. I think. Mm -hmm. And then I was just thinking about you know how confusing emotions are when you're a child, and you know, you're not necessarily understanding too much about how you're feeling or what you're feeling and it, it could just feel very strange and I just sort of thought how would I do how would I if I was an eight-year-old how would I if someone said draw your sadness what would I do and I, I, I just scribble I just scribble something or I felt that's what I do and you know and I've, I've got my son's eight actually and I probably should have asked him to do it I should have I, I was just like no I can I can remember this but but you know sometimes you look looking at my son during during lockdown or, or during kind of hard times you, you can kind of see the conflicting kind mm. of thoughts and feelings and and so the scribble just felt right basically it just felt like something that if the boy in the book this was his visualization of his sadness a kind of a big scribble with a face and a heart and legs almost out of frustration in a way it was just like let's just scribble let's just really kind of <laughs> frantically scribble and then yeah, then their their sadness was really it was it was almost like that. It was like no, that's it, that's brilliant. Um, I think I drew him in black to begin with, so I just changed him to blue, and that seemed to work even better because I, I don't know, like blue is he's, he's got the blues, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, that's how that's how I came up with sadness. Um, I really love this character, and it's yeah. such a fun character to draw because you know drawing him is. It does make you feel better. It makes you feel happier because it's just such a release of energy. Yeah. And, you know, I use a couple of different pens or, or, or pencils, you know, different shades of blue to, to kind of get the right look. And, it's and he like, looks different every time. In every, on every page, he's very slightly different, which is great because he's a recognisable, adorable character that you can yeah. kind of... Uh, identify with and empathize with but he does look different which is what sadness is like well one of my favorite pages to draw was the one where sadness is going through all the different feelings mm. he's being loud he's being quiet he's being big he's being very small and oh i loved it i love drawing this book this book i actually drew um well I, I drew the rough for it so all the sketches i drew mm. um quite a while ago now as Anne said it was 2017 that we first talked about making it and then but it was actually the artwork was like my, my lockdown book that I was <laughs> I, I was drawing it in this bedroom um, in the first lockdown wow. uh, so I don't know whether that I, I you know that probably did assist in in the book mm. you know, kind of getting all the crazy emotions that everyone was feeling and you know still are feeling to a certain uh, extent um, no it's just really interesting because uh, you know because the, the fact that you did create it during the pandemic it you know, even though I wrote it before then, it, yeah. I can see now why it's so relevant. There is something about the illustrations that have has contributed to the timeliness of it. Yeah. No, I did. I, I I remember it was around about March time last year that I I actually started the 
artwork and then I think I'd finished by I don't know June July so yeah it was my it was my lockdown book definitely interesting wow but yeah I think well I think it's just hand in hand it works isn't it with the text and, and the illustrations just give that feeling of hope and that feeling of you will come out of this kind of we're stuck in the winter months in lockdown at the minute and it's pretty miserable really I think yeah. people. <laughs> you know, there is a direct kind of metaphor mm. really there when you think about it that you know mm. at the end oh, spoiler alert but the end of the book where they do leave the shelter and yeah. they're walking hand to hand into the sunset and you know that's that we will be able to leave these rooms and these houses and yeah yeah that's that's not too far away hopefully so yeah what mediums do you use for your uh, artwork David because it, it's very oh, hard to tell but stunning right. the light is beautiful well any any anything and everything really so I've got like a, a, a sort of a, a chest of drawers thing here where it's got pastels in it and watercolors oh, brilliant. but I, I it's I it was the same sort of thing that I do for most books where I'll create sort of watercolor washes for the backgrounds and then um just any kind of texture that I can find that's interesting I'll try and in include it and you know I, I mean I'm, I'm very I, I I guess it's called mixed media the way I do mm. it it's like I'll, I'll I'll start everything on paper and like you know have very sketchy drawings to begin with and cover pages of paint and you know um, acrylic paint or watercolor paint or whatever and just yeah. experiment you know a big chunk of my day is taken up with just experimenting with things like that really um and then, yeah, I'll scan them all into my computer and sort of play around with them on Photoshop mm. and experiment with overlaying them. And just, just it's, it's all a big experiment. And there's a point in most of my days where I was like, well, I've wasted like six hours a day out of my day here because it's not working and it's not looking great. And then suddenly it all click. Yeah. And, but yeah, it's good fun. You know, there's some photography in there. Like I could be walking through the park with my family and have to stop and take a photograph of some bark or, or some concrete or something. <laughs> um, and then I can use that somewhere on there, you know, maybe mm. overlay it onto something. Well, for, for a long time, I was very resistant to using sort mm. of Photoshop and Illustrator and, you know, and it was only until I started, it was only just before the bear and the piano that I started sort of experimenting mm. with it and seeing what could happen. Well, I have to say, I think Shelter for Sadness isn't just an absolute triumph. It's beautiful. And it's although it's a picture book, I, I would take comfort from it. I, I did take comfort from it and I absolutely would turn to it if I was feeling sadness. And I think it's it's brilliant for adults and children. Picture books are not just for children. And, uh, and this is a prime example of that. It's really, really beautiful. I think you've both done an amazing job on it. So well done. Um, one top tip for listeners who would like to get into writing or illustration. Well, for me, it's read, you know. Yes. Don't try and write something you would never want to read, you know. So just read and love other people's books and be generous with your love. You know, don't hold back love out of some sort of funny feeling. Just let, just, uh, it's, the, it's not a competition because in as much as everybody is individual so there will be a place for you if you are true to yourself because there is a place for you in the world so and you can just really enjoy other people's work and the more you read the more you will know how to write I think so I know there are technical and very useful tips about how to write a picture book but I've never actually followed them Generally, I just sort of write the text, but that's only because I have written, I've, re I've read thousands and loved thousands mm. of picture books. So it's only 
It's only because I've I love so much that I can write them. So you learn through immersion, don't you? Yeah, and never choose a genre to write in that you despise. You know, <laughs> never. You know, don't think, oh, I don't, I can't stand that type of book, but it must be easy to write, so I'll write it because that's just mm. not. It's not going to work. Yeah, David. How do we become you? That's kind of it, really. It's like don't try and and be, yeah. you know, don't don't try and like like there's no need for another David Litchfield or there's no need we already have we already have an Oliver Jeffers or we already have a John Class and you know don't try and be them it's okay to be inspired by them but don't don't aim to copy them you know just just be yourself um and then you'll find your own kind of voice I guess is is I mean that that's through bitter experience that I'm saying you know there, there was so many illustrators where I was like oh, I really want to draw like that so I'm going to try and you know take on some of the kind of styles that they have and but but why the, the mm. world already has that illustrator, yeah. Yeah. you know um so yeah I guess that's you know find find your own voice and and also don't don't worry too much about people what is my style what you know what mm. how can I kind of nurture my style Just, your style is, is, it will develop, it will naturally develop and it will naturally come, you know. I remember like, like I used to hate how I draw legs. Like I used to draw, well, I still do. Like my legs are very kind yeah. of spindly and skinny and they have big feet. And I, I used to hate that. I used to be like, oh no, I'm so embarrassed by these legs. And I remember like I drew this poster for this band uh, called Rue Royale and I drew them with these really small legs and I was so embarrassed, but they, <laughs> They sent. They went on like a world tour with this poster. Wow! Uh, I, well, you know, they were a kind of indie band, and they were funding yeah. it all themselves. But this poster was seen all around the world, which is a big deal. Amazing. Early in my career, but I was so embarrassed with legs. But then I got messages saying, "I really love how you're drawing legs," and you know, oh, yeah. well, this, these are very David Litchfield esque. Yes. And then I started thinking, well, maybe that's what style is. Maybe mm. that's the mistakes that you make are actually your style. So, mm. so almost don't try and correct them. Just, just kind of draw what feels naturally. Mm. And, um, yeah, I guess that. And you know, and and eventually your work will stand out. You know, being an illustrator is tough because, mm. and similarly, obviously being a writer is is tough because there's like literally, literally thousands and thousands of people are all kind of wanting to do what you you mm. were doing and what makes you unique is what is naturally already inside of you, I think. And yeah. if you sort of try and fight against that, it can be a bit detrimental. It's a, bit, it's a little thing I've learned recently, I think. Mm. So what's next for you both? Is there anything you can uh, tell us about? I'm writing a book for uh, uh, Gregory Maguire, who is a, a really fantastic author. He wrote the book of Wicked, which obviously went on to become the stage. Mm. So it's, oh, it's, wow. it's, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this won't be out for a while, I don't think, but and I'm probably not allowed to share too much about it. But it's um, I, I get to draw lots of rabbits in this book. Is okay, probably, it's so much fun, and um, yes, yeah, so I'm doing that. And I mean, the, the next book I have coming out is um, is a book called Pip and Egg, um, which is uh, written by Alex Latimer, and so that's out in April. So that's not too long away, actually, um, which I'm really looking forward to. And I'm also working on um, an, a, another author illustrator book, so one I've written myself, which is a Christmas book. Actually, it's oh. a book about uh, about Christmas, but I, it won't. I, well, it, it it probably won't be out this Christmas. This <laughs> Christmas 2021, it, it might be out in Christmas 22. But yeah, I'm really excited. I get to do lots of kind of cool, like Charles Dickens-esque kind of scenes. Oh, fab! So, yeah, it's really exciting. Amazing. 
Yeah. How about you, Anne? You've got an, an adult book coming out in 2022, yeah, is that right? Yeah, I've got, um, yes, I've got an adult book coming out in 2022 and um, hopefully another one after that, a second, a sequel to that. Um, and I've got, so yeah, so I'm excited about that. That's with Harvel Secker. Um, and yeah, so that's about three elderly nuns um, and their their relationships and learning to, you know, even though they've been living together for a long time, they have to forgive each other and love each other and they drive each other around the bend. And they, uh, they win the lottery and they have to go off to Italy to, to look for a, a saint that they're sure that they have discovered. But it turns out that she's not the saint they expect. But in the meantime, lots of lovely little miracles happen to everybody that um, comes in contact with them. But it's uh, the main character is called Sister Margaret and she's a lot of the book she's spent praying, um, complaining to God about Sister Cecilia's false teeth whistling when they pray. <laughs> Every chapter she asks God to um, to answer her prayers, and nearly every chapter he doesn't. He, he does the opposite to what he asks. So she asks for Sister Cecilia to stop being so obsessed about winning the lottery, and then they win the lottery. So a lot of her, a lot of the book is her complaining and saying, "I don't know what's going on here." <laughs> <laughs> it sounds brilliant. I'm, I'm really quite keen to read that. Oh mm. yeah, I've definitely got picture books coming out. At least three picture books, and I've got loads of picture books out on submit texts, you know, a text out on submission. Hopefully, the two novels, and then I'm trying to work on a. I've written a middle grade novel, but it, it's not really good enough, and I'm trying to revise it and edit it, and it's really difficult. But so that may never happen. But and when's the nuns book coming out? Uh, this time next year, I think. Oh, wow. yeah. What's it called? Have you got a title? <laughs> well, if unless they change it, it's called Small Miracles. Oh, I love that. That sounds great. I really want to read it. I'm it's very got excited to read it. Lots of different characters, and they're not all um, religious characters, but they're all affected by the nuns. And, uh, and yeah, it's got... Um, Is it your first? First adult book, yeah. Oh, cool. Excellent. Yeah. Debut adult novelist. Um, I will either be 56 or I'll nearly be 57. Oh. When, when, <laughs> when my first adult book comes out, so... Nobody needs to worry about being too. No, absolutely, you can start whenever. It's amazing. Talking actually, but I just said it out loud. I keep thinking I'm 23 <laughs> inside. I don't think you. Sounds great though. What a great sounding book. Yeah. yeah. Hope so. I hope so, David. But... So, where can our listeners go to follow you or your work if they want to find out more or keep an eye open for your upcoming releases? Oh, uh, so I am on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I've got a Facebook page, but I, I kind of don't use Facebook as much anymore. But anyway, uh, Twitter and Instagram are probably the best places to find me. I can't mm. remember what my handle is. It's either DC... <laughs> oh, DC underscore Litchfield or something oh, like that. There you go. If you look up David Litchfield, it will show up. Yeah, if you go to davidlitchfieldillustration.com, there's links to all that on there mm. and so you get to look at my website and stuff brilliant and Anne, um well I, i'm not have not uh, my daughter is helping me do a website um which is like i can't i find these sort of things really difficult so basically the only thing i'm on is um twitter and that's bridge Anne. instagram i can't quite get the hang of it i don't quite know what i'm supposed to do i'm supposed to take a photo of my uh, i like everybody anyone who said anything i i just i put a heart i think well that must be the right thing to do Thank you both, David and Anne, so much for talking. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, it was so lovely chatting to you both. 
lovely, lovely chatting. Yeah, great. Thank lovely you for coming. My guests today were Anne Booth and David Litchfield. You have been listening to the Sheffield Libraries podcast, the place to hear authors discuss their work, to explore stories, fact and fiction that we think deserve to be heard. I hope you'll join us again.